This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Friday, the 19th day of February, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, you sometimes humble host for this hour of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping that you're looking forward to a great weekend. Yeah, the weekend is here. I know for a lot of people that doesn't make much of a difference because, you know, pretty much every day has been the weekend for almost a year now. Thanks, government. Thanks for destroying our economy, the lives of millions of Americans. But uh, here we are. And uh, a weekend is upon us. It's an opportunity to split off from the rat race, the everyday life, the... Oh, the the drag that is what you have to put up with every day and get a little sanity back. And how you do that is, it kind of depends on the person, right? You you may be one who likes to go out and, and enjoy your life a little bit or maybe just go get away. I encourage you as often as I can to take some time and to um, uh, to get away. Just go, separate yourself, enjoy the quiet, and shut everything out. Don't take the phone, don't take a music player, don't take anything. Just go find someplace quiet and go for a long, quiet walk or find someplace to sit and just watch the world go by. Trust me, afterwards, life will be much, much better. I suggest you do that this weekend. Well, congrats to NASA. They've done it again. The uh, Perseverance rover has successfully landed on Mars. And as a kid of the space uh, space age, I, I grew up watching the race to the moon. And um, I, I got to tell you, this this <laughs> this is exciting stuff. For those of us who were big into rockets and space travel and all that stuff when we were kids, we watch this news and think, this is just awesome. Especially when we start seeing the pictures coming back, and uh, and uh, if you want, let me just tell you this: if you are like me, if you're one of those guys who who had the model spaceships when you were a kid, and uh, and you followed the progress of the uh, the the Mercury and the Gemini and the Apollo programs, and you you watched as as Neil Armstrong stepped off the lander and placed his foot on the surface of the moon for the first time a human being had ever been there. If you were one of if if you're one of that crowd like I am, I suggest that you do a little digging and you find you find some of the video that's available now of Martian landscapes because we've had enough probes. We've had, you know, we've had these uh these rovers land on the moon and take pictures and shoot uh shoot images and a lot of that stuff has been compiled now into videos and you can find it on YouTube and other places online. And some of it is absolutely fascinating. It just is. You can spend, you can spend hours just watching the landscape of Mars. It's just, it's just absolutely fascinating stuff. Well, there's nothing political about this. The science nerds out there, it's a rather historic day. NASA's Perseverance rover just broke through the red planet's atmosphere uh, yesterday and successfully landed. And in those seven minutes it took to successfully land, NASA scientists were likely not breathing as it's literally the most dangerous part of the entire trip. The rover is there to search for signs of ancient life, although there's no telling when we'll find out. It could be a while, but in the meantime, it's pretty awesome to know that we're actually looking. NASA's Science Rover Perseverance, it's, it's the most advanced astrobiology lab ever sent to another world, streaked through the Martian atmosphere yesterday and landed safely on the floor of a vast crater. Its first stop, first stop on a search for traces of ancient microbial life on the red planet. Mission managers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory near L.A., burst into applause and cheers as radio signals confirmed that the six-wheeled rover had survived its perilous descent and arrived <clears throat> excuse me, within its target zone inside Jezero Crater, the site of a long-vanished Martian lake bed. The robotic ve- vehicle sailed through space for nearly seven months, covering 293 million miles before piercing the Martian atmosphere at 12,000 miles per hour to begin its approach to touchdown on the planet's surface. 
The spacecraft's self-guided descent and landing during a complex series of maneuvers that NASA dubbed the Seven Minutes of Terror stands as the most elaborate and challenging feat in the annals of robotic spaceflight. Thomas uh, Zerbichin, he's uh, NASA's Associate Administrator for Science, said early in the day yesterday during NASA's webcast of the event, it really is the beginning of a new era. The landing represented the riskiest part of a two-year, $2.7 billion endeavor whose primary aim is to search for possible fossilized signs of microbes that may have flourished on Mars some three billion years ago when the fourth planet from the sun was warmer, wetter, and potentially hospitable to life. Scientists hope to find biosignatures embedded in samples of ancient sediments that Perseverance is designed to extract from Martian rock for future analysis back on Earth, the first such specimens ever collected by humankind from another planet. Two subsequent Mars missions are planned to retrieve the samples and return them to NASA in the next decade. Yesterday's landing came as a triumph for a pandemic-weary United States in the grips of economic dislocation caused by the COVID-19 public health crisis. NASA scientists have described Perseverance as the most ambitious of nearly 20 U.S. missions to Mars, dating back to the Mariner spacecraft's 1965 flyby. Larger and packed with more instruments than the four Mars rovers preceding it, Perseverance is set to build on previous findings that liquid water once flowed on the Martian surface and that carbon and other materials altered by water and considered uh, precursors to the evolution of life were present. Perseverance's payload also includes demonstration projects that could help pave the way for eventual human exploration of Mars, including a device to convert the carbon dioxide in the Martian atmosphere into pure oxygen. Only time will tell what the rover finds, if anything. Hmm. A lot of amazing things in this universe. Going to be interesting to see what Perseverance discovers on the surface of Mars. And like I said, if you were a kid that grew up in the 60s and watched the space race and saw man walk on the moon, Neil Armstrong taking that first step, and subsequently a handful of other people have done the same thing, then this kind of stuff is fascinating to you. And I do recommend that you go find videos because they're out there. You go find those videos of all all that stuff and you see... You can see where they have taken these these rovers that we've already sent have taken millions of photographs and uh, and NASA has stitched those photographs together to produce amazing panoramas of the surface of Mars. It's just it's just incredible stuff. Go search for that today. I think I think like like I said, if you're fascinated with the space space exploration, that's something that you'll probably enjoy a great deal. Now your kids are going to look at you and say, "So, because they've been watching sci-fi movies their entire lives with all the special effects, the CGI and everything, and it's just like, yeah, well, so whatever. But I got to tell you, this is exciting stuff. It's very exciting stuff, and I, I'm happy to see it happen. Be interesting to see what comes back from there. And it'll be interesting to see the upcoming missions, because as as the story says, they're they're planning on going again, sending other landers to go to retrieve the samples, and to lift off and bring those samples back to Earth. Now think about that. We're going to send more craft to Mars to retrieve what has been picked up by Perseverance. And that in itself, that's exciting stuff too. Think about that. A seven-month journey all the way to Mars, that seven minutes of terror burning through the atmosphere, landing on the surface where it needs to land, gathering up this the, the stuff that's been collected by the Perseverance rover, and then taking back off again, or a portion of it taking back off, and coming back to Earth, and then landing successfully here so that we can examine what has been retrieved from the planet's surface. That's amazing. And hopefully the Democrats who have taken over our government will not, will not torpedo the progress and, and the exploration. I just hope they don't. But then you never know. They've got all kinds of weird ideas. They've got all kinds of bizarre uh, uh, concepts 
and they believe that they're absolutely right in everything they say and do, everything they believe, and that you and I are too stupid to, to understand what they see. And no, that's not an exaggeration. Not at all. In fact, that, that opinion bleeds through everything, everywhere, including the news media. The news media, the people in the news media believe that the government is smarter, wiser, better at everything, and they give them a, they give them a break, unless, unless they happen to be conservative and do things that actually work instead of what may work. It's really bizarre. I mean, and we can look at COVID-19 as an example, because right now there's, I know, I know you've noticed this, right? You have noticed this, that, that uh, even though the numbers are saying that the case numbers are falling, all the reports are saying the case numbers are falling, the death, the fatality numbers are falling. It looks like we are really beyond the curve on this. We're, we're over the hump, so to speak. And we're seeing, we are seeing real practical, real life evidence that in the places where they have chosen not to do lockdowns and force everyone to wear masks, that they're doing just fine. That the heavy hand of government is not necessary in helping this problem. But the news media treats that as an aberration and treats it, actually they treat it like it's insanity. What are you, crazy? And here's an example of that. I'll just show you this. This is... uh, about a minute or so of a news conference with Governor Christy Noem of North of South Dakota. And she's fielding a question from a reporter about double masking. You know, that's the thing that's been talked about. Well, you wear two masks, it's even more effective. And it's been a big joke. You've probably seen the pictures of people with uh, with dozens of masks photoshopped on their faces. And and it's because people are people realize this is nuts. It's hard to breathe through one and you add more, that's just insane. If you've, like, I talked about this uh, before, the video of the guy who demonstrates every kind of mask there is available, and he does so outdoors in the in the freezing cold where you can see his breath. And his breath escapes around the edges of every single type of mask. So all it's doing is keeping somebody directly in front of him from being exposed to whatever he's inhaling or exhaling. And you've seen that. But double masking, oh, it should be twice as good. Well, a reporter asked Governor Christy Noem about a a double mask mandate. Uh, You've been resistant to uh, implement mask mandates. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're skeptical of their efficacy at times. I never said that, Joe. Don't put Uh, words in my mouth. Well... Humor me here. A what bit. I've said is the appropriate mask at the appropriate time utilized correctly and kept sanitary can make a difference. But I also don't believe it's my role to mandate that people wear a mask. I've left for the entire year it up to personal responsibility to make the best decisions for them and their families, and I'll continue to do that. So now that the CDC is recommending two masks... Well, the you, CDC has changed their recommendations many, many times. In fact, we've seen the CDC change their recommendations based on political pre- pressure in the past. I choose to rely on science and data and facts, and masks can work in certain situations if you're wearing the right kind and you're doing it appropriately. But I'm not going to mandate it. It's not an argument over whether masks work or if they don't work. I've never argued that. What I argue is the mandate. I think the mandate is inappropriate for government to come in and mandate that somebody wear a mask. And I think it's inappropriate for us to shame people who choose not to wear a mask. That's not what America is about, and it's not what South Dakota is about. So no double mask mandate coming? Not coming in South Dakota. So... Um, I will not be doing that, that's mm, for sure. Not on her watch is not going to happen. You see, Governor Christy Noem understands the value of real science. Now, we're seeing science play out on the surface of Mars right now, where they're looking for answers. And real science does that. It asks questions. It looks for answers. When it starts declaring mandates... Then you have to scratch your head and wonder, where do they get the finality of answer on this that gives them the authority? (laughs) They don't, really.
It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Wrapping up a week. Friday, the 19th day of February, 2021. Hope you're having a good one. Skimming through um, social media, as I tend to do during the breaks, I run across this on Twitter. From Matt Walsh, who says, Right when it was revealed that the FBI is investigating New York Governor Cuomo over the nursing home scandal, suddenly the media starts intensely focusing on the Cruz family's trip to Cancun. If you're a conservative going along with this obvious BS distraction technique, you are useless. And I can't help but agree. I, I There are those who are saying, well, it sure is bad optics for Ted Cruz. Why? I mean, it's not like Ted Cruz is going to go to the food the food bank and, and start ladling up soup for people at the soup kitchen or passing out canned goods or something. It's not like, I mean, if there's a way to escape, escape. In fact, in the, their little neighborhood, uh, uh, they got a, like a little neighborhood Twitter feed uh, of the, the the housewives, the the ladies who live in on the street where they live, where they uh, and that's all been made public in the last twenty hours or so. That uh, they said, "Hey, we're going. This is where we're going. This is how much it costs. You can get airfare. You can do this. You can do." This. They opened it up and said, "Hey, if you want to go, please come. Come along. Let's get out of the cold. Let's go. We can't do anything here. There's nothing that can be done." And people are saying this class envy thing, you know, that the the left has, that liberals have, is, oh, look at that, these rich people going and getting away and leaving all these people to freeze. That's just horrible. (laughs) You know what's crazy is that people will do something like that. They'll point to something like that and, and turn a completely blind eye to people like Sheila Jackson Lee from Texas bumping people out of their first class seats bumping them off of flights. They'll ignore the fact that Nancy Pelosi uses Air Force transport to get back and forth to uh, to California. They'll ignore the fact that these people are treating themselves as the upper crust, the highest class of Americans, and taking advantage of every possible perk they can possibly take advantage of. They'll just ignore that, and if you bring it up, they'll accuse you of all manner of things. But when one conservative does something to help his family get away from the bitter cold and them sitting around without power and freezing. And he has the ability, he has the financial ability, the wherewithal, he has everything necessary to make it happen, and he makes it happen for his family. For some reason, he's evil. And this is the sickness that is leftism in America today. That that envy, that condemnation of people who have the ability to do something just because you don't. Look, you made the decisions about what to do with your life, where you are, and the kind of money you make or don't. You made those decisions, not somebody in the government. You made the decisions to pursue what you pursued. You made the precision You made the decisions to go into the debt you went into to get an education. And just because you have four degrees in lesbian underwater basket weaving, it doesn't mean you spent your money wisely. In fact, the fact that you're you're stocking shelves or taking orders at a drive-thru and you have those degrees should tell you everything you need to know. And it's not that somebody else is holding you down. It's that you made some bad choices because you decided to pursue a fantasy rather than look rather than look at the real world around you. And the real world around you is pretty unforgiving. It really is. And the people you follow, that you respect, that you laud in politics, those people, quite frankly, are some of the biggest con artists on the planet. And that's why they hate people like Donald Trump. And speaking of that, let's shift into the next story here, and that's that the House Democrats right now are introducing a bill that would prevent former presidents who've been impeached twice 
from being buried in Arlington National Cemetery. This is nothing more than hatred for Donald Trump. As I've said to you several times, they are, they are intensely focused on undermining his credibility with the nation. They're doing everything they can to paint him as evil and wrong for America. But the real world says otherwise. His performance says otherwise. His accomplishments say otherwise. What he said and what he did while he were in office for this nation all testify to the opposite of what the Democrats are declaring. This act is called the No Glory for Hate Act. It was introduced yesterday. It'll also ban federal funds from being used to commemorate twice-impeached former presidents. The bill would prevent the ability to create or display any symbol, monument, or state or statue commemorating any former president that has been twice impeached on federal public land, including any highway, park, subway, federal building, military installation, street, or other federal property. It would also ban the commemoration of a twice-impeached former president by naming or renaming federal buildings or federal land after that former president. The bill adds, quote, No federal funds or other federal financial assistance may be provided to a state, political subdivision thereof, uh, thereof or entity if any such funds or financial assistance will be used for the benefit of any building, land, structure, installation, or any other property that bears the name or is named or designated in commemoration of any former president that has been twice impeached by the House of Representatives. The bill would also dictate that a president who has been impeached twice is not entitled to receive any benefit other than Secret Service protection under such act. Finally, the bill says the Secretary of Defense shall not approve a determination of eligibility for interment or inurnment in Arlington National Cemetery made by the Secretary of the Army that permits the internment or interment in Arlington National Cemetery of a president who has been impeached twice. You know who the only president is who's been impeached twice? Trump. This is all directed at him. This is anger. This is evil directed towards President Trump. And let's just briefly touch on why. Because, as I've told you several times, it's because he exposed them all for what they actually are. And that's why. He exposed the Democrats for what they are. As I've explained to you before, in a sense, he actually did drain the swamp. He drained it just enough so that we could see what had been hidden below the surface. He riled up the inhabitants of the swamp so that their behavior exposed them for who and what they really are. And while he was doing that, he succeeded in fulfilling campaign promises they said were impossible to fulfill. He cut regulations. He reduced taxes. He made it possible for more people to bring home more money. He made it possible for employers to hire more people. He made it possible for industry to spool back up again and become more productive. He made it possible for us to become energy independent, a promise made by every prior president in recent memory and then declared impossible once they got into office. But he did it. And he also drastically reduced illegal immigration by not only building over 400 miles of the wall he promised to build, fighting for every foot of progress against the government who should be protecting this country from illegal immigration, and at the same time creating an atmosphere of inhospitable, an inhospitable atmosphere to those who would consider crossing illegally, reducing the number of illegal border crossings by making it unattractive to do so. He accomplished 
so many goals and did so much good for America and put us back on an economic track that was successful until the COVID crisis hit. And his political opponents took political advantage and did everything they could to destroy the progress he made. And in spite of that, he was still able to spin the economy back up again to a degree that they all said was not possible. He proved to America that these people who are seeking to punish him now are all liars and con artists and don't deserve to be where they are doing what they do. Yeah. Something I need to touch on about that whole twice impeached BS. He was acquitted both times. They couldn't convict him. They couldn't prove their claims. You have to remember that. Oh, but they want to prevent him from having a... You know what? He was acquitted both times. The Democrats could not prove their case. And the second time was just nothing but them flexing their political muscles since they won. Actually, I don't think most Americans believe they won. But keep that in mind. And also, it didn't diminish his appeal. It didn't actually. His, Trump's, Trump's numbers, his, uh, his polling numbers are higher now than they were when he was in office. And as a result, he's being, he's being invited to speak places. For example, he's been invited to speak at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Florida next week. It isn't clear right now whether he's, he's accepted their invitation, but he has been invited. Matt Schlapp, he's the American Conservative, uh, Conservative Union chairman. He helps run the conference, said he extended the invitation himself. He told the Washington, Washington Examiner, I'd love to see him come to CPAC. An official close to the planning process uh, says that Trump is, was invited last year. Trump told attendees during his speech at the 2020 conference, he said, God bless you, God bless America, and we'll see you next year. The official there said planners don't know whether he's planning to attend. Said that we're, we're in a sort of wait-and-see moment right now. But Trump's team didn't re- return, you know, re- return calls or return uh, or respond to inquiries about it. But Matt Schlapp says he hopes having Trump speak will work out. He says, I've always had good relations with him. We've always talked, and I hope we can make it work. I think he deserves to be heard. I think even people who disagree with him will agree that he deserves to be heard. He should be uncanceled. You know, top conservatives regularly appear at the conference. It's going to take place in Orlando. That, yeah, yes, yeah, so Orlando is a change. They usually do this in Washington. But CPAC said in a previous tweet that they're swapping D.C. lockdowns for sunshine and freedom. <laughs> he said the conference will be the place to be as conservatives plot, plan, and unite to defeat socialism in America. Uh, among uh, the speakers are uh, a number of officials from Trump's administration, including former Housing Secretary Ben Carson, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Trump allies like South Dakota Governor uh, Governor Kristi Noem, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Acting National Security Advisor Richard Grinnell. They're also slated to speak. Lawmakers on the program include Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, Representative, uh, Representative Ted Budd of North Carolina, and Mo Brooks from Alabama. CPAC describes itself as the largest and most influential gathering of conservatives in the world. And it looks like we can hope that uh, President Trump will be making an appearance. It'll be good to see him speak to a crowd publicly. Uh, You may have seen him the other night. He, He made the rounds the other night. He was on Newsmax. He was on Sean Hannity. You may have seen him 
making the rounds and uh, talking with people after Rush Limbaugh passed away and uh, talking about Biden lying on CNN. And Biden did lie on CNN about a handful of things. In fact, CNN's done a fact check on him. They've got four different points they fact checked on him. And I looked at it and I thought about passing it along to you. And I thought, no, because weeding through it to get to the salient points would be just, it would be way too much work at this point. Maybe next time, maybe Monday. Eh, We'll see. But to hear him in that situation and not see him in front of a crowd, to not actually have him have him deliver prepared remarks is a bit different. I'd like to see him. I, I would like to see him deliver some prepared remarks to a crowd like, like the CPAC convention. I think a, a lot of people would like to see that happen because we know that they're doing their best to cancel him. They're doing their best to make it impossible for him to have any future success in anything he does. They're even hoping that his business suffers. They're hoping that they can, they can bury the guy. That's a lot of hate when you think about it. These people hate Donald Trump to such an amazing degree. And as I've said, it's because he exposed them for who and what they are. He, he baited them. They took the bait. And now everybody can see just how vile the left in government is. They got a good taste of it during the Kavanaugh hearings. And then they started these they started seeing more and more of it as the the Russia the the Russia gate thing was happening and the collusion was being accused and and now we know that in secret what they were doing was every time somebody came in and debunked everything they were claiming in those private sessions, remember they talked about those sessions in the bunker, in the basement of the uh, of the Capitol building where the press was not allowed to go and they uh, they wouldn't allow certain people to come in. And when certain people did come in, they stopped the meeting. And remember, Adam Schiff got up and walked out of one of them. You remember that? Those During those sessions, when testimony went counter to what they wanted to accomplish, they classified that testimony. They marked it top secret. They classified it somebody, so nobody could see it. So that, and that's why they were calling for it to be released. Remember, there were conservatives calling for the testimonies to be released because they had been in those sessions and they had heard what was said. And they said, you need to release all the stuff that was said in these testimonies that were in private, these secret, the secret meetings. You need to release all this stuff because it exonerates the president. But they didn't do that. They made it classified material so that no one would see it because it undermined everything they claimed. Well, we know that's happened now. We understand we understand that these people are all liars, con artists, and that they are where they are just to gain more power and to wield that power whenever they have the opportunity. And someone like Donald Trump, who sees them for what they are and declares war on them. My, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday because at one point I said, you, you really need to read the, uh, the prepared statement, the prepared address that Trump was gave for his inauguration, his inauguration speech. Go read it. If you haven't done so, you need to go read it. In fact, uh, let me see if I can uh, make sure that's up on Link Report. There it is. It's on linkreport.us. So go to linkreport.us. Go right now, in fact. I'm going to pull it up so that you and I can look at it together, okay? If you go to linkreport.us, and scroll to the bottom of the page and click on Next. Go to page two. The second item is President Trump's inaugural address. If you will go to that and click on that one and read through it, you will understand why all of these people, these criminals in Washington, D.C., spent every waking moment working against 
Donald Trump. To begin with, they didn't want him there because he was not a member of their club, and they couldn't buy him. They couldn't bribe him. They couldn't find any dirt on him to hold over his head to keep him under control, although they kept trying. You know, they keep talking about his taxes and such. They keep talking about his business dealings. They keep, they keep alluding to things which are not true and they cannot produce any evidence of. And through his, his entire presidency, four years, they worked against him constantly because he was an outsider who could not be bought, who could not be bribed, who could not be silenced. And he exposed them at every turn for who they were and what they were. And if you read that inaugural address, as I said, go to linkreport.us. Scroll scroll to the bottom of the page. Go to page two. It's the very bottom thing. It's the last thing in the list of links. But I leave it up there for a reason, because I want you to read what he said. Because he declared war. In essence, He declared war on business as usual in Washington, D.C. that day. And all of these people who were seeking to keep him from being buried in Arlington Cemetery, to seek him from having any kind of of benefit aside from secret service protection, all of these people who were trying to demonize him today are demonizing him because of this, this, this address, everything he had to say. Because... He put it plainly on the table that these people are not working for you. They're working for themselves, and they think you are stupid, and you need them. And he exposed them that day for what they are. And as a result, he fought them every day of his presidency. Go read it. Go read it today. I challenge you to do so. You have to do that today. If you don't, then you are working in ignorance. Go read what he said. You'll better understand why he faced what he faced. He went in ready to fight. And he fought for what is right for America. And today, they're doing everything they can, still, to destroy the man. Everything they can. There's more to talk about. Let's see. Let me look at my marvelous list of life here and see what I can talk about. Ah, here we are. Facebook. <laughs> you know, I have my issues with Facebook. Facebook is, is now shifting gears. You know how they've been with COVID? Where if, you, if the word COVID is in any post that you that you put on uh, on Facebook, or if there's an image, even now, if you post a meme that's just an image of things, that they they will flag it and say, this is not true. It's been debunked by our sources, and their, their sources are all leftist sources. Well, now, they're going to focus on climate change. Uh-huh. They'll be focusing on climate change. Why? Because people in parts of our country are freezing right now because it's winter time. <laughs> I know it's an unusual winter, but things like this have happened before. But they don't want you to know that. Oh, it's all climate change. And Facebook is coming to the rescue. We'll talk about that coming up next. Stepping into the final segment for this Friday, February 19th, 2021. Well, after debunking misinformation about COVID-19 and the 2020 presidential election results, Facebook will now be the arbiter of truth about climate change. The social network will begin flagging and debunking climate change myths. Facebook released a statement yesterday stating that the social media platform will add informational labels to some posts on climate 
and direct users to the Facebook Climate Science Information Center, a resource that provides science-based news, approachable information, and actionable resources from the world's leading climate change organizations. Previously, Facebook rolled out its Voting Information Center back in August and the Coronavirus Information Center in March to combat news the company deemed to be misinformation. They say, to debunk the myths with current and scientific facts, we've brought in climate communication experts from the George Mason University, the Yale Program on Climate Change Communication, and the University of Cambridge. The spread of damaging falsehoods endangers the level of international cooperation required to prevent catastrophic global warming. So says Sander van der Linden of the University of Cambridge. Sander goes on to say Facebook is a, in a unique position to counter the circulation of online misinformation and the new climate myth-busting section is an important step toward debunking dangerous falsehood. Dr. John Cook of George Mason University says developing rebuttals based on the best practices from communication research is an important step toward countering online misinformation. Let's, let's stop right there for a second, shall we? Let's look at how this, this statement by Dr. John Cook is phrased developing rebuttals based on the best practices from communication research is an important step toward countering online information. Communication research. In other words, developing propaganda based on our research to quash opinion which doesn't match what we want it to be is an important step. Dr. Anthony Lezer, uh, wow, Lucerowitz, that's it. Dr. Anthony Lucerowitz from the Yale Program on Climate Change Communication said, quote, misinformation about climate change long predates the Internet but has been greatly amplified in our new digital world. This new myth-busting section of, of the Facebook Climate Science Information Center can help raise public climate change awareness and understanding worldwide. Wow. So misinformation about climate change long predates the Internet. Let's just examine that claim for a moment. It wasn't called climate change before we had an Internet. They called it global cooling. They called it global warming. They said we were going to have an ice age, another ice age, if we didn't change the way we do things. If we didn't clean up our environment, if we didn't, if we didn't stop polluting the atmosphere, we would have a new ice age. And when, then, when that didn't happen, then the alarmists said, we're looking at global heating, all the CO2 in the atmosphere is trapping heat, and we're going to overheat the planet. And when that didn't pan out, suddenly it became more vague. Well, it's, it's man-made. The climate is changing, and it's our fault. We've got to do something about that. The arrogance, the hubris, the, 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 absolute, the absolute arrogance of assuming that we can make this happen is amazing. It's just amazing. When you think that the eruption of a single volcano, a single volcanic eruption, can do more to alter the nature of our atmosphere and the temperatures on this planet than everything we pump into the air. And they say, it's us that's making the change. Incredible. In May... Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook of CE and CE, uh, the Facebook CEO, declared that privately owned digital platforms should not act as the arbiter of truth. That pro-free speech comment was made after Twitter fact-checked a tweet by then President Donald Trump. Zuckerberg told the Daily Briefing host Dana Perito over on uh, Fox News said, "We we have a different policy than I think Twitter on this." I just believe strongly that Facebook shouldn't be the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. Private companies probably shouldn't be, especially these platform companies, shouldn't be in the position of doing that. Hmm. 
The climate check, uh, check, uh, change, the climate change, fact checking. My brain wanted the word, wanted the words change and fact to be one word for some reason. The climate change fact checking will begin in the UK and will expand into other countries soon. The Facebook Climate Science Information Center is currently available in 16 countries. Facebook is banned in China, so the Climate Science Information Center won't be able to, 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 to deliver their information to the world's largest polluter. China is responsible for nearly a third of the planet's carbon dioxide emissions, over 10 gigatons of carbon, carbon dioxide emissions, almost double that of the United States. That uh, statistic is according to the Union of Concerned Scientists. Communist China and Asia in general is polluting the earth to a degree that if you look into it, you will be flabbergasted by how much they're doing. We see the pictures of, of sea turtles with straws in their, in their nostrils. We, you see, you see fish swimming around with things stuck on their gills. You see, you see marine animals trapped in, in garbage. The vast majority of it's coming from Asia. And they're not doing much to curtail the amount. They're just not doing much at all. And yet, we are being told on a daily, hourly basis that it's up to us in the United States to enact legislation, government mandates to clean things up in order to fix the problem. And what they don't tell you is that as of right now, we are far cleaner than we have ever been. We are actually one of, if not the cleanest nation on earth. I recently had a, a liberal friend deny that. He didn't substantiate his denial, but he did deny that. But the fact is, we are one of, if not the cleanest nation on earth. And they'll say, oh, we're far from it. I would like you to substantiate that, please. And then you hear nothing. And yet, we're being guilted into doing things, into giving things up, into surrendering our liberties for the cause of cleaning up the planet because we're responsible for the climate changing. The climate on Earth has always been changing. We know... For example, that Antarctica once was ice-free. How do we know this? Because there are ancient maps, hand-drawn maps, maps drawn by people who explored it, people who fished, people who, you know, in old times when people would go out in boats into the ocean, they found Antarctica, they mapped it, there were no glaciers, there was no ice, there wasn't, <laughs> it was just land. We know that when glaciers are diminishing in one area, they are increasing in another area. We know that sea level changes are cyclical. We know that the temperature of the planet is responding, and this is actual real science which has determined this, the temperature of the planet, our global temperature, changes with solar activity. And we know this because we read the temperature of, of Mars, for example. And when things are getting warmer here, it's also getting warmer on Mars. And when it's getting cooler here, it's getting cooler on Mars. I'd like to ask, how did we pollute the atmosphere on Mars to the degree that we're causing problems and climate change there? We didn't. By and large, what's happening? There are a lot of sincere people. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of sincere people who sincerely believe what they're, what they're pushing and what they're 
they're relating to other people. I, I went to, I saw a doctor yesterday. I uh, went to a dermatologist for something that has been bugging me. And she was, she made some comment about something being better for the environment. And I thought, wow, this is, everybody's had this pounded into them for so long that they just, they just, yeah, that's better for the environment. Well, that's got to be bad for the environment. They've had this pounded into them for so long that that is just their first knee-jerk reaction to certain things. People sincerely believe what they have been told. But sadly, what they have been told very often is not based in reality or fact. It's based in a certain kind of hysteria. And we owe it to ourselves to our families, to our nation, to our planet, to get the facts, to know the truth. And the first thing you should learn is that that claim that Bill Nye, the not-so-science guy, keeps making, and everybody else like him, that 97% of all scientists agree that climate change, man-made climate change, is actually happening. That 97% number was 97% of a group of scientists, which consisted of 79 people. So 77 scientists agreed that this was happening. Not the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of climate study scientists around the world. 77 77 submitted a report to the to the UN and the two that that 3% amounted to about two people that two people those two scientists who said no we can't sign on to this we don't see the validity of it those two were blackballed i believe they both lost their jobs at universities because they wouldn't agree with something that they couldn't scientifically support that's not science not by a long shot But that is the end of this podcast and the week. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Have a good one. Bye-bye. We'll knock off now and take the next two days off. How's that?